0: If you'd like to listen ad-free, head to patreon.com slash drnosleep. There, you can sign up for my seven-day free trial and get access to all my stories, including bonus episodes, completely ad-free. That's patreon.com slash drnosleep. Now time for the story. Talk to Nicely. You didn't have to kill him. I mumbled just loud enough for Ron here. hear. Excuse me? We could have squeezed in together. There could have been space. I argued. Are you listening to yourself right now? That man tried to kill you. Without me, you'd just be a mushy puddle on the ground. He was right, of course, but it still didn't sit right with me. Stop worrying about things you can't change, and get your head back in the damn game. We need to prepare for the next round, Ron demanded. The elevator put us down within an old-fashioned-looking room full of expensive wooden furniture, carpets, and walls that were covered in eccentric decorations. In a way, it resembled a Victorian-era mansion. The room was divided by simple markings into three equally large sections, each observable from three inaccessible balconies above. For a while, we just searched the room for anything we could use to aid us in an escape, or at the very least, help us survive. But apart from the furniture laying around, there was nothing to be found. After a while, Another screen appeared on the wall. I grouped up with the few players I knew and awaited further instructions. This feels weird, Alice said. What does, I asked. The furniture, it doesn't feel real, she continued. Real? Look, the chairs have these weird cutouts, top and bottom. It's like a puzzle, as if we're supposed to put them together. She was right. The furniture had all been modified akin to building blocks. Each piece could be attached to the next. It was clear that they'd be part of the coming game, but for what purpose, we didn't know. Then the screen lit up with a congratulatory text and the number of survivors. Congratulations to the remaining 48 players. Instructions for the next game will follow shortly. The text was quickly swapped out with very basic instructions for the third round of the games. The following challenge will rely on teamwork. Three teams of 16 have to be formed. You are free to choose whoever you want. You have five minutes. Ron shot me a look, indicating that he wished to speak with me alone. Alice stayed with the couple, looking around the room for another 11 players. We gotta dump the couple, Ron said. What? I asked in shock. It's a team game. We can't carry any dead weight. We can't just abandon them. I argued. Look, we need to recruit strong and able men. If they see we're dragging along these people, no one is gonna join us voluntarily. I'm not leaving them behind, I said, trying to sound more confident than I really was. He stared at me for a moment, as if trying to intimidate me to take his side, but I wouldn't budge. Find strong people. Don't tell them the couple and the girl are with us, he ordered before storming off into the crowd. I doubted a man like Ron would struggle to find suitable teammates. He talked a good game, and he looked like the role of a leader. Within seconds, he was talking to a couple of burly-looking guys. I went off to do the same. The five minutes passed in a flash, and by the end, I'd only managed to convince three players to join us, all averagely built, like myself. Ron had gathered five, all decently strong, middle-aged men. He briefly introduced them, but one of them stood out, a man with the number 42 written on his back. His name was Oswald, and I'd seen him push other players into the acid during the last game. That's the guy you picked? I asked. What? Ron asked back. Oswald smirked in my direction. He knew that I'd seen him kill the others. I'm a survivor. You want me just to give up and die? He asked, sarcastically. Ron pulled me to the side and gave me a stern look. He might be an asshole, but he's the kind of asshole that can help us survive this team game. So suck it up. Alice and the couple had found the remaining couple of players, an elderly man and a bald skinny woman who'd gone through one too many rounds of chemo. They were both less than ideal teammates. Before we could even begin to discuss the matter, the announcer started speaking. Welcome to round three. All players, please gather in the designated areas. With those words, three lights lit up, each casting a circle into three areas of the room. Each team gathered in their chosen circles. Then the announcer started speaking again. Stay put as the room is prepared. Then three fences, which intersected in the middle, started emerging from the ceiling, lowering down, and creating three distinct sections within the room. The fences were created from reinforced chicken wire, making it impossible to cross but easy to observe what the other teams were doing. Then the rules of the game appeared alongside the title. Escape. One, leave the area via the balcony. Two, create an escape using the objects in the room. Three, don't let the construction fall. Even then, it was abundantly clear exactly what we had to do. As Alice had pointed out, the furniture was built in such a way that the ends fit together. With little hesitation, we got to work, trying to build a makeshift mixture between a ramp and a set of stairs. As soon as the other teams realized what we were doing, they got to work on their own. The furniture was all made from fragile dry wood, something that could easily fall apart or ignite from a single misplaced spark. Despite the head start, our team wasn't the fastest. To our left, the team consisting of mostly fit young people in their 20s or 30s were halfway there, but the third team was far behind us both. We tried a few different configurations of the furniture before I finally noticed the undeniable change in temperature. For each passing minute, it was getting warmer. Fuck, I'm sweating like a damn pig, Oswald let out. It's because the temperature is rising, you dumb fuck, Alice said. If we don't get out of here in time, we'll burn to death. We kept constructing our own escape, but no matter what we tried to do, There were a few long poles left. Each of them had hook-like appendages at the end. Once we were about halfway done, Oswald grabbed one of the poles, stuck it through the chicken wire, and started pulling on the neighboring team's construction. Even though the other team quickly reacted, their structure was fragile, barely keeping it balanced on its own. In their rush to escape, they'd neglected stability. With a few solid pulls from Oswald, their entire group came plummeting to the ground. What are you doing? Benjamin asked in shock. Eliminating the stronger team, Oswald simply shot back. Benjamin tried to interfere. He tried to pull the pole away from Oswald, which prompted him to punch Benjamin in the face. (laughs) Enough, Ron yelled. I'm not dying because you morons keep fighting. Help us build. We have to get out of here. With the strongest team down, we were getting ahead. The third team was also making good progress. Filled with rage, the team that had just been knocked down attempted to stick poles through the fence, tugging at our structure. But Oswald and Ron were quick to fight back, snatching the poles away with ease, leaving the opponent with no means of attack. It's almost finished! Alice let out as the last piece of furniture got lifted up and attached to the balcony. Alice jumped onto the balcony to secure our path and helped each of our team members as they climbed up. The heat in the room was just about unbearable Our clothes were all drenched in sweat and the dry wood used to construct our escape was starting to smoke. While the temperature wasn't yet extreme enough to cause combustion, it did occur to me that everything within the room had been created from an extremely flammable material. Everything was meant to burn, an idea that was quickly confirmed as one of the chairs caught on fire seemingly out of nowhere. Hurry up, Alice yelled. I glanced over at our neighboring opponents who'd managed to get two thirds of their construction up again after the fall, but they hadn't been quick enough. Before they could finish, the furniture started to catch on fire and quickly collapsed on top of some of the players. The rest rushed over to help, but the fire quickly burned them too. Before long, their clothes had caught on fire too, and those who hadn't yet died desperately rolled around in a futile attempt at putting the fire out. We could only watch from the balcony as they burned to death. On the other side, the team that had been considered the weakest just escaped the jaws of the coming fire. Two teams had survived, leaving 32 players for the next game. We walked through the balcony door into long, cool hallways. It was a feeling of pure ecstasy, mixed with the horrors we'd experienced so far, and the horrors that were yet to come. If I get the chance, I'll fucking kill him. I heard Benjamin mumble behind me. He had no right. We weren't going to lose either way. He was referring to Oswald. I shared his contempt, but as despicable as his actions were, they had eliminated a lot of the contenders. Because of their deaths in the previous round, we all stood a slightly better chance at survival. Ron, you got a moment? I asked. Yeah, what's up? I'm worried about Oswald, I said. Worried about what? He asked back. I don't think we can trust him. If needed, I'm pretty sure he'd turn on us," I explained. You think? I know, but as long as his victory depends on us winning as a team, he'll be a valuable asset. Don't worry though, I've got my eyes on him. The hallway we walked through stretched on for what felt like an hour before finally entering a smaller room with several neatly decorated boxes. Based on a very quick estimation, there seemed to be one box per contestant. Each box had a number that corresponded to the ones on our jumpsuits. I picked up box number four and opened it. Within the box were new clothes, still just a jumpsuit, but one rid of the excessive amount of sweat and blood accumulated during the prior games. Beneath it, they'd put in a single meal, a ready-to-eat pack with a bottle of water. Food, I said. I guess we'll need the energy for what's coming. Do you think it'll be another team game? Alice asked. I don't know. I hope not, I said. You hope not? I gestured over to the tired looking couple. Ron was right about one thing. Not everyone here is fit for the game. I don't want to die and I don't want to ditch them. I thought you had cancer, Alice said, half joking. Smooth. Well, this isn't exactly how I want to die. We'll be okay, she said. We can make it through this. We spent the rest of the unappetizing meal in silence. Ron was scouting the room for strong players to bring to our team, while Oswald had managed to get two packs of MREs. By the time we had finished, a screen appeared on the wall again. Congratulations on completing round three. The next game will include pairings of two. Please seek out a partner for the next round. I glanced over at Ron quickly, before redirecting my attention to Alice. She'd shown herself as capable during the past couple of games, and in all honesty, I trusted her more than Ron. Benjamin and Olivia had already paired up, and Oswald was eyeing Ron. Hey, David, what do you say? Ron asked. I think I'm going to stick with Alice. I'm sorry, I said. He just shrugged. Guess I'm with you then, he said as he gestured at Oswald. Don't fucking screw me over. Then the announcement was made for the fourth game. The following game will be obstacles. Please pay attention to the rules. One, teams are to be chained together. Two, both contestants have to make it to the end stage. Then one of the walls retracted away, revealing eight doors. Each team placed themselves in front of one, ready to enter the next stage of the tournament. As the doors opened, Guards were revealed with a six-foot chain that they tied to our upper arms. Without speaking a word, they just gestured for us to walk through to begin the game. The chain had a ring in the center, binding the two pieces of the chain together, but its shape seemed peculiar, almost like a key of sorts. Alice grabbed my hand and gave me a brief look of comfort. To the end, she said. The first challenge was an elongated room with a missing floor. In its place, we only saw a black void extending down into a deep shaft. On each side of the room was a ledge. The left one was slightly larger than the right, and in the middle of the pit hung a metal string that extended all the way to the door. All right, let's take the left ledge. It's wider, I said. No, wait, Alice shot back. Look, she went on as she pointed to the door. The metal wire went inside the door seeming to activate the lock mechanism. To get to the other side wouldn't be enough. For the door to unlock, the ring part of the metal chain had to go around the wire. Our only option would be to take one side each to avoid the chain from tangling. I'll take the thin side, I said. Hell, no, you won't. I'm skinnier and I'm definitely more athletic, Alice argued. Take the left. I gave the ledges another look. The right side would in fact be too thin for me. Alice had a better chance, and if one of us fell, the other would be dragged into the void as well. You sure? I asked. She nodded. We threaded the ring around the metal wire, knowing fully well that it wouldn't be able to hold us up should we fall. Then we went to each of our sides and prepared to walk across the thin ledges. Alice went first, showing no sign of fear, and I followed suit. After all, With our arms tied together, I had no choice. It's not that bad, huh? Alice said. I didn't respond. My eyes were fixated on the dark void below. But after about a minute, we had both successfully passed the ledge and we were ready to enter the next room. The second room had a pretty simple setup. There was a glass wall separating the room down the middle, which the metal wire led to. The glass contained a maze-like pattern through which our chain and its accompanying ring had to pass. Some of the sections went high up, making it almost impossible for Alice to reach. Still, we went to work, dragging our chain through the maze as quickly as we could. Our focus was only broken once we heard a strange sound coming from the walls around us. What is that? Alice asked. No idea. Sounds like an engine. Wait, I stopped. The walls, they're closing in on us. Come on, let's hurry up. The maze got more complex as we moved on. Being in a rush, we met several dead ends. For each passing minute, the walls were getting closer, and within the next couple of minutes, we'd both be dead. But we powered through, eventually coming across the tallest section of the maze. The only issue was that the peak contained a hole that went straight down. If we missed the curve and ended up getting the chain stuck in the pit, we'd never get it back out. We only get one shot at this, Alice said. We have to jump at the same time and pull the chain forward. I'm ready, let's do it. On three, she nodded. One, two. On three, we jumped and jerked the chain forward. For a fraction of a second, the chain got stuck on the edge, almost falling down the pit. But with our combined jerk, it just cleared the curve and sped towards the end of the maze, unlocking the doors as it hit the end. Run! I yelled as the walls closed in on us. With only a few seconds left, we fled into the next room, collapsing to the ground in disbelief that we'd just survived another challenge. Good job, Alice said. Can't believe we made that. Well, we're not in the clear yet. Always the optimist, huh? She joked back. Our room was separated by another dark hole in the ground. The only way to traverse it would be via two sets of monkey bars placed about five feet apart. Neither one was large enough to accommodate us both, which meant we'd have to climb separate ones in perfect synchronicity, lest one of us pull the other away. Ah, come on. Haven't done this since I was a kid, I said. It'll be fine. With little hesitation, we placed ourselves by the beginning of the bars. Just move together. You start with your left arm, I'll do right. Make sure the chain doesn't tighten too much, I said. Then we jumped up, and got ready to move. All right, go, I yelled. In one perfect move, we got to the next bar. Go. Step by step, we climbed across the room. I could feel the grip of my sweaty palms slowly give in by the time we'd gotten halfway. Don't you dare let go, Alice said. Just keep moving, go, I yelled. Just as we reached the last step, my grip slipped from the bar and I fell pummeling down onto the safety of the platform. Due to my slip, Alice fell too. She hit her head on the hard ground, temporarily knocking her out. Alice! She slowly came back to it, getting back on her feet. You fell, huh? She asked, sarcastically. I'm sorry, you okay? She just nodded. Let's get out of here. We put the ring of the chain into the lock and opened the door, hesitantly walking inside in fear of what was to come. But the ring got stuck And after a few seconds of trying to pull it through, the chain just shattered. We'd been freed of each other, which made me briefly believe that we'd made it through the round. But as we stumbled inside the next room, another challenge faced us. Like the previous rooms, the next one was divided into two sections. Each section had five balls and a target to hit at the end. But on each side, there were speakers as well. Instead of jumping right into the challenge, We waited for possible instructions. Welcome to the final room of the challenge. You have made it this far and one of you will qualify for the next round. The announcer said over the speakers. Wait, one of us? I let out a shock. You have five balls to throw. One has to hit the target at the other end. Hitting the target will eliminate your teammate, but you will be safe. Good luck. What are we going to do? I asked. Alice just stared at me with a somber look on her face, but the decision to just wait it out was taken away from us. The floor beneath our feet started retracting into the wall. We'd have an estimated three minutes before the floor would be completely gone. After what felt like an eternity of silence, Alice finally spoke up. Just throw it. What? Only one of us can make it. I'm not going to kill you, David. Well, I'm not exactly rushing to kill you either. There has to be another way out. Just throw it. Get it over with," she said without looking at me. "'Why don't you throw it?' I asked. "'Because my brother is dead. My parents. I have nothing to go back to. You still have a family, don't you? That's why you need to survive.' "'I can't kill you, Alice. I just can't. You don't have to.' She turned towards me with tears in her eyes. I'm glad I got to know you, was all she said before she stepped towards the edge and let herself fall. She didn't scream, she didn't hesitate. She just dropped into the void. I stood frozen in shock, but the shrinking floor quickly brought me back to attention. I picked up a ball and threw it at the target, miss. The second and third balls also missed. They were unevenly weighted and the target was further away than I thought. I clutched the fourth ball, wondering if survival was even worth it, but I wouldn't let Alice's sacrifice be for nothing. I threw the fourth ball, just barely hitting the target, but it was enough. The floor that had been retracted into the wall started extending. Before I knew it, I had completed the round, but at what cost? I walked through the final door. Whatever the next and final challenge would be, a lot of people were going to die. Ron was already waiting on the other side of the fourth challenge. He and a couple of other players were staring at a set of screens. Each of the screens showed a replay of each team's final moments. She let you live, huh? Ron asked. She jumped, was all I could say as I stood frozen in front of the screen that played Alice's death on a loop. I glanced over all of the screens. Three teams were still trying to get through the challenge with the rest either dead or successful. Then I saw Ron scream. He and Oswald had made it to the last section with ease, but once they'd gotten through, they immediately turned on each other. Ron swiftly threw two balls without hesitation. One of them hit the target and Oswald fell to his death. There was no discussion, no planning. They had just been two men acting on their immediate instincts. Oswald is out too, I let out in a mere whisper. Better him than me, Ron said. My eye caught another familiar team, Olivia and Benjamin. I was surprised to see them at the end of the challenge, but they weren't playing the game. There they stood, staring lovingly at each other as the floor beneath them retracted. A few words were spoken, but without audio, I could only guess what they were. Once the floor was gone, they both fell into the hole simultaneously. Both had died, neither willing to go on living without the other. Damn, what a waste, Ron let out. They didn't both have to die. I didn't even bother responding. I just kept staring at the screen with tears welling up in my eyes. So many people had been lost in the past day, and though most were strangers, it broke my heart. With the last player entering the waiting room, the game had ended. From the 32 people who had entered the fourth round, only eight had survived. We were down to the final round, and I started to realize the inevitable truth that only one of us would be going home. But my train of thoughts would quickly get interrupted as all the screens turned off. The light within the room got bright, and a section of the wall ahead opened up. The same group of guards that had greeted us in the first game came out, lining up, just like last time with a leader in the middle. For what felt like an eternity, they just stood there in silence as if waiting for us to get worried. I wondered if they were enjoying our misery, but behind their masks, it was impossible to tell. Congratulations, Congratulations. the man finally said. We are down to the final eight. You have proven yourselves to be the strongest of the contestants, those willing to do anything in order to survive. But the journey does not end here. One final game remains, the one that will decide which one of you is worthy, because, There can only be one. What if we refuse to continue with your fucking games? One of the men said. I recognized him from the first challenge. He and his friend had found camouflage in the forest, but his partner seemed to be missing, presumably dead after the previous challenge. Then you will be eliminated, the announcer said. Are there any more questions? Yeah, why don't you tell us what the last damn game is gonna be, Ron asked. You will see when we arrive. Arrive where, I asked. With that, the guard stepped aside and gestured towards the door they'd entered from. Please go inside, he just said. With great trepidation, I started walking towards the dark entrance. Ron followed behind, and the rest came after. Just behind the door was a small windowed room with 16 seats, accounting for the maximum number of players that could have survived. On the other side of the windows, we just saw darkness. As we all sat down, the door behind us closed. We were left in a dim light with nothing but darkness surrounding us. Is this the final challenge? A woman asked. I'm not sure, there aren't any instructions, I responded. Then the room started shaking a bit before we suddenly started moving sideways. The darkness around us gave way to blinding daylight as a massive mountain range on the other side was revealed. For the first time since the beginning of the games, we were outside. It dawned on me that we were traveling on a large gondola heading towards one of the mountains in the distance. Is it real? The woman wearing the number 87 asked. What do you mean real? 99 asked. Well, the forest was fake. I figured this might be a trick too. This ain't no trick, we're outside, Ron interjected. The question is, where the hell are we? Outside, we saw nothing but barren mountains with parts covered in snow. No signs of civilization, no chance of escape. Wherever we were, the only way out would be to play the upcoming game. Stick with me, Ron said. I gave him a surprised look. Then what? You heard them. Only one of us can win the game. Still, it'll be an easier fight if we stick together until the end. Who knows? Maybe second and third place gets to live. He didn't believe in that last statement, and I could tell. He just wanted to keep me alive because he thought I'd be an easy opponent for the final fight. Still, I knew that I wouldn't stand a chance against the others on my own. These were the best the game had to offer, and unlike me, they didn't appear sick. Till the end, then, I mumbled. We sat in silence for most of the ride, just taking in the view though I'd internally admitted that escape would not be possible. I was still hoping for a way out. It was an odd thought to know that these barren mountains might be the last look at life most of us would ever experience. As expected, escape was a futile fever dream. By the time we'd reached the mountain range, darkness engulfed us once more. The other contestants barely dared to look at each other, each of them knowing that they would inevitably have to kill their competitors. The gondola came to an abrupt halt within the mountain before bright lights were ignited all around us. The room fell silent. Then the doors finally unlocked to give us the final challenge. I guess we're here, Ron said. He walked up to the door and we followed closely. It led to a large open space within the mountain, full on with the sky and bright sunlight. Like the forest, it was all fake, but made in such an incredible way Just the scale of it all was enough to let the illusion fool me, even when I knew it was all a set. Ahead of us stood tall hedges, stretching in a massive square around the entirety of the room. It dawned on me that the final challenge would be a sort of maze, but what dangers lurked inside remained a mystery. A screen on the wall lit up with the name and instructions. The Labyrinth. One. First player to walk through the door in the center of the labyrinth will be the winner. Two, you must use any tool within the labyrinth to eliminate other players. Three, you have three hours. The words lingered on the screen for a moment before it turned dark. The rules were clear. We were officially allowed to murder other players to ensure our own survival. Ron gave me a curious look, checking my reaction. Without him, I'd already be dead, but in the end, he might very well have been the death of me. Good luck, the screen said. A section of the hedge opened up, revealing an entrance that split in two directions. On the ground, just a few yards up ahead, lay a large machete. Without thinking twice about it, the entire crowd rushed for the knife, each of them desperate for survival. Number 99, being slightly ahead, dove in and grabbed it. He spun around while lying on the ground and slashed in front of him, just barely scratching Ron's chest. You fucker, Ron yelled. Stay away, the man yelled with panic in his voice. I don't wanna hurt anyone. Just let me go, please. Go where, Ron asked. He quickly glanced at his surroundings, realizing there were only two ways to go. I'm going this way, he said as he pointed right. The rest of you go the other way. If anyone follows me, I'll kill you. He pointed the machete in our general direction. None of us were willing to fight him, so we just let him go and headed left. What if it's the wrong way? I asked. Then I guess we have to turn around. He can't take all of us, but I'm not risking any limbs until I know for sure. Ron shot back. The seven of us kept walking in silence for a few minutes. Only then did it hit me, just how massive the maze actually was. Even with three hours to complete the game, There was a real chance none of us would make it. Then we came to our first split. One path kept going straight ahead while the other turned to the right. We're going straight ahead, Ron demanded. While most of the group silently agreed to follow the unelected leader, a couple branched off to the right. Where the hell are you going? Ron asked. They wore the number 20 and 71. No offense, but I don't trust you. I'd rather take my chances one of them said as they turned around and started walking. Don't be a moron. There's bound to be traps around this place. Going alone is suicide, Ron argued. And going with you isn't, he asked as he kept walking. We were about ready to leave them to their own fates when we heard the ground fall apart, followed by intense screaming. Number 20 had fallen into a hidden hole in the ground and below were bundles of razor sharp barbed wire. Fuck, help me, he yelled. The wires were designed in such a way that they tightened around his lower body with each movement. Getting him out would cost an enormous amount of time, and considering how cut up he already was, he most likely wouldn't survive the blood loss. Come on, help him, 71 said as he tried to pull his friend out. Ron just stared at him. For a moment, I thought he might reach in and help, but instead, he just left them with these words. I told you to stay with us. This is your fault. He left the guy trapped and his friend struggling to help him. I hesitated, but I knew the man was a lost cause. So leaving the two of them behind, the five of us kept walking deeper into the maze. He's going to kill us, isn't he? The woman asked, referring to Ron. Her name was Sarah, and she was in her mid-40s, wearing the number 87 on her jumpsuit. Probably, I mumbled back. Then why are you following him? She asked. Why are you? shot back. She didn't respond, and she didn't have to. We were both following Ron because there weren't any better options. The only reason no one dared attack him was due to his build. He'd easily best any of us in a fight. Staying as a group for as long as possible stood our best chance at survival, whether or not anyone cared to admit it. I don't want to die, she said. I didn't even want to be in these games, but my sister, she... She convinced me. She didn't make it though. She didn't even get past the second game." I was too numbed to show a single hint of empathy for the woman. In the past 72 hours, I'd watched hundreds of people die. I had nothing left to give. Then just don't die, I responded sarcastically. Something within me snapped back to reality as I saw the expression on her face. The last remains of my humanity resurfaced for a moment. Listen. Maybe there's a chance to trick the game. Maybe we can all survive, I lied, but we gotta stick as a group for now, all right? We walked around a few twists and turns with surprisingly few dead ends before finally stumbling upon our next challenge within the labyrinth, a large pit in the ground with a thin log acting as an unstable bridge across. The hole itself was lined with spikes that would kill anyone unfortunate enough to fall in. But despite the implication of death, The challenge itself seemed all too simple. It needed a twist. By the look on Ron's face, I could tell he felt the same way. So, who's going first, he asked. Why don't you go first, Sarah asked. Because you ain't strong enough to make me, Ron shot back. Without discussing the matter any further, he turned to one of the smaller guys in the group, grabbed him by his neck and started pushing him towards the pit. I'm gonna make it real easy. Either you cross the damn log, or I push you in, he said calmly. What the hell are you doing? I yelled, making sure we make it to the end before the timer runs out. The others looked at each other, but in the end, none dared go up against him alone. We were all exhausted, afraid, trying to survive. All right, I'll do it, the man yelled in panic. Ron let him go, placing himself in front of the poor man to make sure he didn't escape. With trepidation, he took the first step onto the log. His foot immediately slipped, but he managed to regain his balance. Keep going, Ron ordered. Step by step, he made his way across the pit. By the time he had gotten halfway, he regained a bit of confidence and started to move faster. Just as he was about to cross the last third, a dart shot out from the hedge, hitting the man in his neck. A second shot out, hitting his hand, then a third hit his ankle, While none of the darts could possibly do lethal damage, the pain was enough to make him lose his grip. He slipped off the log and fell plummeting down onto the spike-filled pit. He was pretty much split down the middle, too shredded to even call out for help. His eyes just lit up with fear as life drained from his body. Even if we'd tried, we wouldn't have been able to help him. So, who's going next? Ron asked, seemingly unmoved by the man's death. I'll go, number 63 said. While we were all surprised by his bravery, none of us felt like being the next to die. He didn't even give us a second glance before he stepped onto the log. With confidence, he made his way to the last third where we knew the darts would shoot out. Sure enough, a few shot out and hit him in his neck and arm. Apart from a mild twitch, he barely reacted. He had the advantage of anticipating the pain and stepping onto solid ground on the other side. I let out a sigh of relief, just knowing the challenge was in fact possible to beat. Ron stepped towards the log, prompting a worried reaction from 63. Why don't you let the others go first? He asked. They'll follow, was all Ron said in response. That's when I realized why 63 had volunteered to go first. There was something metallic on the other side of the log, something only he had seen sticking out from the hedge If it hadn't faintly reflected the fake sunlight, it would have been practically invisible. He grabbed it, pulling out an axe meant to sabotage the log. What the hell do you think you're doing? Ron asked, already halfway across the log. I'm not gonna let you hurt anyone else, 63 said. Put that axe down before I beat your ass to death with it, Ron said, more annoyed than worried. But the man wouldn't listen. He swung at the log, barely putting a dent in it. Ron started rushing across. A few darts hit his chest, but it didn't even slow him down for a moment. Before 63 could realize he was too late, Ron had reached the other side. He grabbed the man around his neck and tossed him into the pit face first. He died before getting a chance to fight back. Sarah and I stood there speechless, half expecting Ron to finish the job by destroying the log. Instead, he just gave us a look of annoyance. You coming or what? You go next, Sarah whispered. Without wasting any more time, I crossed the log. Only one of the darts hit me, wounding my arm. Right as I was about to step off the log and onto the safety of solid ground, I slipped. I was moments away from certain death when Ron grabbed my arm and pulled me across. I got you," he said. Why, I asked as I lay on the ground. Why would?" he asked. Why wouldn't you just let me fall? Till the end, remember? Was all he said as he redirected his attention towards Sarah. Come on, we ain't got all day. Sarah made it across without incident and we kept walking further into the maze. There were a few smaller traps on the path, but nothing we didn't see coming. All the while, the timer was counting down and none of us had the faintest idea just how much time was left. Then, as we turned a corner, we stumbled upon the body of contestant number 99 his machete lying next to his body. In his hands, he held a bag. The cause of death appeared to be several stab wounds to his torso. What happened to him? Sarah asked. Look, Ranja said as he pointed to a strange looking section of hedge. Just behind the dense leaves, there were several spikes hidden. My guess is that they were activated by pressure plates. The ground has some odd sections. He bent down to pick the machete up, handing it to him. Hold on to this, will you? he said as he searched the man's bag. With his back to us, we couldn't see what the bag contained, but Ron didn't seem all that amused. For a moment, I wondered why he'd trust me enough to hand me a weapon I could easily use to kill him. Had he been honest when he promised to look for a way to let us live? Anything in the bag? I asked. Nah, it's empty, he said as he tossed it onto one of the strange sections of ground. Upon impact, several spikes shot out from the hedge. That's how he died, Ron said. Let's go. Knowing to watch out for the pressure plate, we crossed the trap easily. Evidently, there had been several paths converging at that point, with only one leading deeper into the maze. By the look of it, we were about to reach the end. Ron took the lead while Sarah and I kept our distance. Give me the machete, she whispered. What are you going to do? I'm going to kill him, she said. In my heart, I knew that Ron would let us both die to save his own ass, but I'd be dead without him. For reasons I couldn't quite understand, I felt a strange sense of loyalty towards him. Not yet, was all I could say, you'll see it coming. The path seemed to stretch endlessly towards what had to be the center of the labyrinth. We're here, Ron said as we entered a large, open section. In the middle of the area stood a small outhouse, just large enough for one person. It had a single locked door and a monitor on the side that just read. The door will open when only one player remains. Current player count, four. In addition, there was a timer on the door with 15 minutes remaining. Well, I guess the door only opens once everyone is dead, Ron said. Who's the fourth one? I asked. The one that stayed behind by the pit. His name is Matt, Sarah said. So we just wait for him? I asked. Then what? And we kill him, Ron said. And then each other? Sarah asked. Do you see any other way? Only one of us is going to make it, and I'll be damned if I go out without a fight, Ron said. Before I could even speak my mind, Sarah kicked me from behind, sending me to the ground. She grabbed the machete out of my hands and started charging at Ron. He didn't even seem mind. He just waited for her to get within range before pulling out a revolver. Without hesitation, He fired two rounds into Sarah's chest. She fell limp, dead before she even hit the ground. Then he turned to me, making sure I wasn't about to pull the same stunt. Where'd you get the gun? was all I could think to ask. It was in the bag. You think I'd give you my machete without having a better alternative? He asked back. His attention drifted back to the door. Well, would you look at that? Two players remaining, it read. "'Told you we'd make it till the end,' Ron said. Unless the counter was broken, it meant that not only had Sarah been killed, but the last player in the maze had died in a trap. With only the two of us left, there was only one thing to do. I didn't want it to end this way, but I ain't got a choice. Time's running out, and it's either me or you. Strangely enough, I wasn't mad at Ron for planning to kill me. In the end, he'd played the game like the rest of us, and without him by my side, I would never have made it that far. I had long since accepted that I'd be dead by the end of the game, but for it to be down to the two of us was a poetic injustice. It would have been better if you died earlier in the game. It would have made this so much easier. I'm sorry, David. With that, he pulled the trigger. A click could be heard, but no bullet emerged from the chamber of the gun. It was empty and had only been loaded with a couple of rounds from the start. Motherfucker, he mumbled as he tried to think of a new plan. Taking the only shot I'd get at survival, I went for the machete. Ron appeared to have the same plan, rushing towards Sarah's corpse. I reached for the weapon and Ron dove down after it. He was just a split second too late, allowing me to grab it first. I turned on my back as Ron landed on top of me, the blade digging its way into his chest. He groaned as he rolled off me with the machete, still embedded into his body. I guess I should be proud, he let out in merely a whisper. I, I'm, I stuttered. I hadn't even meant to kill him. He had lunged at me and landed on the machete. Just get the fuck out of here. I'm sorry, Ron. I'd have killed you two if I had the chance. It was a part of the game. Just promise me one thing. I sat down next to him as his voice grew weaker. Shut those fuckers down. He drifted off, letting out a last breath before succumbing to his wound. A loud clunk was heard, then the door behind me opened. Less than five minutes remained on the clock, still counting down. With mild trepidation, I entered through the door into a small cage. No sooner had I set foot inside before the ground started to rumble. The door shut and the room itself started descending to the ground. Congratulations, player four. You have won the tournament. Stand by for extraction. The air around me started to feel heavy and foggy. Gas was filling the lift, and no matter how hard I struggled, I was starting to lose consciousness, darkness. I can't tell how much time passed, but by the time I awoke once more, I was back home in bed for the longest time. I couldn't decide whether it had all been real or a horrific nightmare. Then I noticed the letter on my bedside table. It contained all the information needed to access a specific bank account, one containing more money than I could ever spend in a lifetime. I had won the tournament, mostly by sheer luck. I could finally afford the treatment I needed, but the memories of the games I played would never leave, nor would the promise I made to Ron To hunt down the people in charge of the game and shut them down. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this story, please take a second to leave a rating for the podcast. This greatly helps other horror fans find my podcast as well. Thank you so much.